What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us today is Mark Gagarin, a father, husband, mentor, and co-leader of the Awaken Recovery program here in San Diego, California. Mark's story has inspired me and hundreds, if not thousands of others on a road from addiction, drugs, alcohol, and otherwise to sobriety, recovery, and being a leader and a role model in our community. Mark, I am so excited to do this episode. This is long overdue. Welcome to the show. Yes, it's always been such a pleasure, man. I was just waiting for the opportunity to come and spend some time with you and chat. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's just chat today. Cause you have the craziest story you've inspired and helped me so much in my life. And I've seen you do that for others in San Diego, but let's just talk about your story a little bit. How did you get on this path? What was your recovery and, you know, like you at your lows and that process of getting freedom look like? Yeah. Well, you know, it kind of goes way back and I won't, I won't get too into it in a way to kind of drag it out too long, but the reality was um, during my middle school years, just really trying to find who I was as a person. And I think a lot of my life was always dependent on what other people thought of me. And so as a middle school, middle schooler, um, you know, I almost did anything in order to, to, to get other people to like me. And I got bullied a little bit during that time, um, being half Filipino and half white. Um, struggled with some of the Filipino kids. They didn't really accept me for who I was. And so I just started to battle, like, who am I as a person? And I think that was kind of the beginning of me seeking some sort of solution as I got into high school. Played baseball at the time, had good people around me, a lot of great things going. And my freshman year, I started to use drugs and drink alcohol. It was such an exhilarating time in my life. And I thought that that was the coolest thing, uh, you know, that was added to my life. It was, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time. I was playing uh, freshman baseball at Poway High School. Um, life was on the up and up, right? And I thought I had found this great elixir, this thing that would add so much value to my lack of who I, like who, who I actually was and just not knowing me and not being able to be okay with who I was and, 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 and love and appreciate and value and, and accept who I truly was. It, was. it was never defined by the internal. It was always defined by what other people thought of me. And so just got caught, just got caught by it. And I think so many people do uh, this, this, this validation um, through external things and what other people say about us. And it took me down a road for 12 years of progressive drug addiction, which led into many areas of dysfunction. And I finally got to the point at the end of uh, those active addiction years where 
I was 130 pounds. My left eye was twitching. I had used every prescription pill towards the end of my addiction to, to numb out what had happened to me. Um, you know, I, I dropped out of high school my junior year, uh, all hopes and dreams to have a baseball career, all healthy relationships started to dwindle away. Most of the people that were close to me didn't know what to do or how to support a guy like me. And I think that happens a lot in our society when somebody struggles with addiction and lacks the control uh, when it comes to certain things in their lives. It's just a hard thing to be around and watch. And then, so I think a lot of people just kind of pulled away from me in that sense. And um, so I got to that place after 12 years where there were you know, numerous rehabilitation centers, methadone clinics, in and out of jail, um, tried different counseling, tried, uh, you know, a snowboarding career in the midst of it, um, you know, just a lot of different things to try to make sense of my life. And uh, I got to the end of that. I got to the end of my rope. And at the end of my rope, I was given an opportunity and a moment of clarity came upon me. And I realized that I struggled and of myself, I didn't have answers. And it was the beginning of me learning the greatest principle that I've been able to apply over the last 10 years is that uh, it's a gift to invite help in. It's a gift to invite resources and, and support into my life. And for so long, I had been doing my own thing. And for the first time, I decided to ask for help. And I ended up going into a program um, that uh, just gave me the support that I needed foundationally well, let me, yeah. and help. Sorry to interrupt. I just want to ask sure. you a question. Um, like, did you have a rock bottom moment with either like an overdose, a blackout, waking up in the wrong alley, like where you finally said, okay, enough's enough. I have a problem. I'm willing to get help. Like, how did that yes. switch go for you? Sure. Uh, there were many times that were pretty traumatic and crazy experiences um, that should have been my rock bottom. One of those was um, overdosing on heroin and um, being in the bathtub with a guy who was basically pouring water on me because I had, um, I had basically died and um, he didn't know what to do with me, you know? And at that time they didn't have that law where you could bring someone to a hospital and not get, get in trouble to help save their lives. So mm -hmm. I think him at that moment was kind of like, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't know what to do. So he just basically poured water all over me like fed me a 7-Eleven hot dog or something like that. And basically I ended up waking up an hour later. And the craziest part about addiction when it comes to the insanity of the way I saw my life and experienced it was that I didn't stop at that moment. I basically wanted to go back and do more at that time. And you would think a, an experience like that would be more than enough, right? Or another time I had, uh, I had fallen asleep at the wheel at nine o'clock in the morning, coming home from a methadone clinic. Um, and, and I ended up hitting a lady, hit and run. The front tire on my truck flew off. I was driving on the rim of the truck all the way back to my house. The police officers followed the track of the rim all the way to the house, arrested me. And you would think for any normal person that okay. that would be enough. No, I'm good. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> right. So I just kind of had those experiences where but what happened with the lady? Was she okay? I think so. I never really got to the bottom of that. And I ended up going to jail. Um, she was obviously okay. Um, because there were no charges that were pressed 
And I, you know, I kind of ended up having to go through some DUI courses and stuff when I finally got sober. Um, but that was one of those things I just didn't take a look at. But those are the kind of things that happened and the powerlessness that I was experiencing in my life. And, um, but what happened to get me to a point where I finally was broken open for an opportunity was the last three years of my addiction, I basically didn't want to live, you know, and I didn't care about my life. And, um, and I had a moment um, where I woke up one day and just, I wanted to live just a little bit more than I, I wanted to die. And I knew I had a short window to get help. And I knew I meant business. I saw for the, for, for really for the first time that, that I struggled and I needed help. And that little window I moved in, reached out to family members and was able to kind of start the journey into recovery. And I kind of try to look back and make sense of it or even put words to it. And it's really hard to describe. So sometimes I describe it as a moment of clarity, right? Or miracle or um, just a drastic uh, perspective change or, you know, just different ways to explain it. Cause it, it's really a miraculous thing that happened. And, you know, each year and each, each time I try to, uh, you know, put words to it, it always kind of looks different to me. So that was kind of the beginning for me was, was just that moment where, you know, I saw, I had that moment of clarity and I saw clearly that I struggled and I needed help. Wow. That's such an amazing testimony and I want to get into it more, but what the question that I have, which is something you can probably help answer because you're one of those people is how come people like you who have these stories are the ones who are most able to help people like me. And it's like people without these highs, lows, these life experiences, um, aren't able to inspire and deliver and perform these miracles for others the way that you and other people like you have? Yeah, I, you know, such a great question. And I honestly feel, you know, I think the greatest thing that I see in other people um, when it comes to me um, looking to them as, you know, an inspiration or a leader or mentor in my life is that, you know, they've gone through it. And they understand what it's like to be at the bottom. And, you know, being a guy who is full of it for so many years, you know, I can smell that uh, when I'm dealing with people. And so when you see somebody who's genuinely had um, hit a bottom in their lives and have found life, you know, it almost, they almost become like this path, like start to see things that I was unable to believe could happen for me. I almost start to believe, wow. Like if this guy had been where I was at and is now like living in a healthy way, maybe he, it's possible for me to experience the same thing, you know, and all, and, and that was kind of a practical foundational thing, right? I mean, that comes to mentoring in any capacity. When you, when you truly believe, when I, when Mark truly believes that there's somebody in front of me who has walked in my shoes and is living, um, and is living a life that I would like to live, you know, there's something about trust that, that, that begins to open. And I begin to kind of lean in, right? Because it's like listening is kind of the hardest part about um, growth. And in order for me to get to a place where I feel like I can listen, I have to trust that you understand. You know, and I think that was like a foundational thing for me is, is knowing that, okay, I, I can trust this guy and, and he understands me. And, um, maybe he can lead me into something better. And it was the beginning, right? Like my whole life now is nowhere near where it once was, right? Like every area of my life, like the beginning of your uh, podcast, 
every area of my life has been shaped around what's most important to me, you know, and I've, and I've really created that intentionally in order that my marketplace calling, my family, my being a father, um, the things I like to do for fun, those are all shaped around who, how I operate, my core values as a person, you know, and so I think that's been such a cool thing to experience over the years too, is really getting intentional. What is, what, what is Mark, what do, what do I want my life to look like? You know, mm-hmm. we've talked you, about this many times. Too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's like, what do you feel are the most important things that people need to do? You know, this isn't even as much a, an addiction recovery question as it is like a familial and balance question Yeah. of like, you know, the people that I know, like you and others who have this amazing family and this emphasis and this willingness to commit time to it, what, what like sacrifices are healthy versus aren't necessary in order to build a family life that you like something like you built? Yeah. Um, I think that takes for, well, for me, it took time, um, to see what works and what didn't, you know, and a lot of, a lot of my growth has been like that. A lot of my growth has step out first and then kind of take a look back and see how it's working and make adjustments. Right. And so, you know, I got thrown into service right when I got sober. Um, you know, my life had been about me, my, for, for 12 years. Right. And that, that selfishness really brought a, um, a need to seek comfort through substances, right? Life is all about me. It's heavy. Life is heavy when it's all about me and I'm in charge of everything that happens. So my always initial response was to go to things that brought comfort. And so for the first time, I'm broken open to the idea that I need to be more present and available to the world around me. And that was like a, oh my gosh, there's people around me. Oh my gosh, there's life happening. But so being so consumed by just me and my life, I finally had that opportunity to be broken open to that. And that kind of created this like, wow, I'm going to, I'm going to find my life as I give it away. And so I jumped all the way into it, helped open a sober living with a friend of mine in uh, Encinitas, California. I mean, it's an, it's an amazing facility. Now they have an inpatient treatment center, like four or five sober living homes. But I was there at the beginning of that. And I threw my whole life into that, but I had this season right? Where I came, I came to uh, this church that I ended up meeting my wife at. And I just had this moment where like, I realized either I can throw my life fully into just serving other people. But I kind of felt this, this voice in me that knew that I needed to go back and repair um, the, the wreckage of my past. Like there were so many things that I was avoid look, avoiding that I needed to look at. And I had this moment, right? This intuitive, uh, empowering um, thing that came upon me in my spirit. And I knew I needed to go face Mark. I got an, I need to go face my reality. I needed to go face uh, the wreckage in my life. And I, and I chose to pull away from helping to open that, uh, continue on um, with that sober living project. And I, and I started to dive more into um, just taking a look at, at, at my younger years and kind of, um, you know, coming to a place where I had some, form of closure and um you know uh the ability to like allow myself to move forward and you know that was kind of a big part of the journey for me right was um was was going back and finishing those um those chapters of my story that were unfinished you know and i think that that has been the greatest experience that i got an opportunity to do was to go and take a look at the chapters in my life 
the story of Mark's life and the chapters that were unfinished because there was a fair amount of them. I'm like, oh, shoot, over there. Oh, wait, over here. But I got to kind of go look at those things like head on, right? And I got to go kind of face those things and find some form of, um, of like closure, of, of forgiveness, of, um, of restoration and kind of feel like I could finally move forward in a, in a healthier way because I think that's what happens with things in my life, traumatic things that happen in my life, things that I've gone through in my life, pains, struggles. Uh, you know, broken relationships, breakups, whatever, those create a way of protecting myself um, in order that I wouldn't get hurt anymore. Yeah. And sometimes those ways of protecting myself block me from truly experiencing healthy relationships moving forward. Yeah. You know, one of, one of the things that you rocked me when you said this a few months ago was the antidote to depression is helping someone else yeah like talk about that because that's so much more profound than i even realized in the moment i heard it and then whenever i felt that like overwhelming sadness i would just go help someone or reach out to people who i felt like were a little bit worse off than me and kind of lift them up or support them in healthy ways yeah and it just melted those feelings of pain and sadness and depression in me so like, where did you pull that one from and, and talk about that? One? <laughs> I'm sure somebody over the years helped me to, to come to that understanding. But I think, um, you know, there's just something about, uh, you know, when I'm in the worst place in my headspace or I'm feeling the world on me or, you know, not uh, just in a place where, you know, life is heavy, right? That's where really the depression comes when life is heavy when I'm unable to, um, to, when I'm unable to manage everything that's in front of me or when things aren't going my way, um, that's when I begin to, you know, have some self-pity or depression in my life. And so I've always found the safest way out of that is to turn away from that space, right? That dark cloud over my head and take a, um, contradictory action towards, um, not being more consumed by me, but being more available to the people around me. And I think as I became open to that, I think I started to realize that, oh my gosh, there are other people that are going through similar challenges, you know, especially in this pandemic like season, right? Two years of most people being isolated. I started to realize other, other people were going through things. And I had this opportunity to, to encourage them and be there for them. And, you know, it's funny, you know, the things that I practice towards others are the things that I experience in me. And so as I'm, I'm loving and I'm encouraging others, I end up becoming encouraged and I end up feeling loved. And it's so crazy because, you know, my whole life was like, why don't people encourage me? You know, why don't people love me? You know, like I was just in that space and I'm stuck there. Right. And then I get this like weird spiritual jujitsu move where like maybe I go in and love and encourage others. And then I start to feel like better about myself. And so, you know, maybe, maybe normal people know that maybe a lot of people know this in the world. This isn't something that I knew, you know, when I, when I caught this thing and when I started to run with it, I started to realize, man, this is really, this is really stabilizing me. This is really making me feel more confident. This is really helping with my self-esteem, right? In order to build healthy self-esteem, one aspect of that is to, is to do esteemable things, 
you know, my, my, uh, if you looked at my, my ledger, right. If you looked at, at, at the, if there was a case against Mark's life, you know, there would be so many things to show why I wasn't worthy, but if I was willing to over time, continue to practice doing esteemable things and continue to go back to school, finish school, right. Go to college, right. Um, you know, restore unhealthy relationships, find a healthy relationship, right. As I begin to start doing more esteemable things, the ledger, like I start to feel more, I start to feel more worthy and valued because um, I'm practicing different things and I'm bringing life to other people. And so that was like a big part of the story. I mean, there, there was like a, definitely a divine miraculous uh, part of it, right. Where I, I experienced the, the power and love of God, but there was also, you know, practical everyday actions that I could take that would um, reshape who I was as a man, you know? And so I think that was a long-winded way of answering that question for you. <laughs> I got a lot to say. No, it was a great answer to that question. And, you know, one of the things I want to talk about is in this Awakened Recovery Program, where I've learned so much from you and others, is it's not just about drugs and alcohol. Like if that's, if that's your issue, it is about drugs and alcohol, but then if it's not, or if you handle that, then it's like this whack-a-mole game of, okay, the cross addictions, the process addictions, the codependency, love addiction. And, you know, that was kind of my experience is I, I realized like so much of it for me, like once I looked at pornography, it was also like codependency relationships, but also financial sin was a big one that was exposed to me, like cutting corners, thinking about like not donating, being philanthropic, all this stuff. So you know, as someone who's co-leading this program and this experience, you know, could you talk a little bit about maybe the people who aren't struggling so much with drugs and alcohol, but some of those other kind of process addictions, food, relationships, and kind of how common that is. And so many people don't even realize, like, there's so many people who bring their boyfriends, girlfriends, or spouses to the program. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm coming to support them. And then it exposes all of these, like, non-traditional addictions. Yeah, right. It's human. It's It's human tendency, right, to grab a hold of something and um, over uh, extend its, um, you know, inten intended use, right, instinctually. I think addiction is really about um, instinctual, um, you know, desires of ours gone wild, really, you know, because these are a lot of, a lot of natural things that, you know, if done properly produce like a pretty functioning and healthy life, right? when it comes to marketplace and being productive and bringing an income or, you know, being in relationship and um, reproducing and having children or, so what happens is a lot of those, there's an intended use, there's an intended way of doing that. But, um, but some people, well, for, for me, I end up um, either not doing it enough or doing it too much. Right. And I think that had a lot to do with not really having a sense, like a true sense of, um, of, of how things were, were, were supposed to be done, right? And so when it comes to addiction, you think of things like um, addiction is really uh, finding a illegitimate solution for a legitimate problem, right? This, this um, thinking that this thing is gonna be the answer to deal with my emotional, um, my emotional uh, life, um, to deal with what's going on in my mind um, to numb out maybe some things that had happened to me or some, um, you know, relationships that didn't go my way. And I begin to kind of um, cope with things um, in a way 
that doesn't allow me to process really what's going on on the inside of me, you know, and that can look and send it so many different forms, right? Like it can, it can be around work, exercise, it can be around food. And it's just, um, it's the dynamic between in relationship to something, you know, mm -hmm. and when that dynamic gets distorted, I mean, for me, that's basically what addiction is, is when that dynamic gets distorted. And so a lot of, a lot of process addictions, right? Like food or pornography or, sex um you know or shopping or whatever there there can be restoration to bring that back to sanity right like i'm in a marriage now we're, we're married uh seven years now uh, or a little roughly seven years and you know most of my relationships were very right, i wanted to use the uh applause feature here <laughs> yeah there we go seven years man <laughs> go go on <laughs> yeah so um uh, uh yeah, like I found a way to do relationships that's working and healthy. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, maybe my past relationships had a, an element of addiction to them. Um, I've found a way to navigate them now where they work. And basically, um, my, what happened to me in the past was these relationships were what defined me, you know, and I, and I had an overdependence on people in order to provide stability in my life, right? Codependency. And so when I started to address that, how I addressed that, that was simply, um, it, not simply, I mean, it sounds simple, but how I addressed um, codependency in my life was to realize that people weren't my God and I had made them my God for a long time. You know, my life was so dependent on what other people thought of me, you know? And so when I started to realize I was putting my faith in the wrong place, um, I started to realize that um, that I had this opportunity to do relationships better and give people room. And I think I learned this through just um, getting to know me better, getting to know my own humanity better, that Mark, you know, that me as a person has shortcomings and I fall short, you know, and even though I want to be this certain person, sometimes I don't live up to that. And as, as I just started to discover this in me and, and really had some grace behind it where I was able to accept it in a productive way, I started to realize um, that people are like me, you know, and they're going through similar things in their lives. And it really helped me to connect to people and just allow people to be people more, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and the follow-up question I wanted to ask you was you've done obviously a lot of this work on yourself and this transformative experience and you've supported other people through the process and you've seen I mean, last night we had the kind of graduation night for the 12-step program for Awaken Recovery. And I mean, there were people there bringing their uh, ex-spouses of years or they're reconciling and all these miracle yeah. stories, which is incredible. And so the question I have is like, what's the biggest mistake you see people make either when they're dating towards marriage or a husband or a wife that kind of results in the breakdown of the relationship? Like what are those big mistakes that you're seeing? Because usually people come to you after the fact. And they're like, hey, here's the problem. And yeah. one thing you're so good at is helping them navigate re restoration. But yeah. before we get to restoration, what do you feel is the biggest cause? Yeah, well, that the that the the spouse or you know the 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 partner in the relationship is the answer to to their their deeper soul needs. You know, mm -hmm. relationships are beautiful when they're done in their proper and when they're done from a proper like um, proportion, right? Um, but what happens is for me, the deeper yearnings of needing a spiritual connection and, and like a, a real like 
sense of 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 um well-being that comes from you know faith for me that comes from my faith um i was expecting other people and to feel like a a, a, a fill a god-sized hole really right like that that thing in me um that i needed more so than a relationship so i think what happens is people in relationship um you know seek to uh have their spouse be the answer right and none of us were ever designed to be the the all-encompassing answer to another person's life life you know and i think what happens is you know as somebody experiences that and realizes oh my gosh they're not the answer they almost become frustrated with that right you know and that's kind of the beginning of like i thought you were it but you're not you know and then it's like this yeah they say they're like oh you're not my person i thought you were my person i have to go find my person somewhere else yeah so they're like, really saying you're not God or something. Yes, right. So two half people don't make a whole person. Whoa. You know? Say that so again. Two, two half people don't make a whole person. Wow. Right? Two whole people make a beautiful union because yes. they have something to bring to each other. When I'm coming into a relationship in order to pull something from you and that person doesn't have what I need, there's it just, there's, there's not a, a, a harmony to that. But when I'm getting the support I need individually, and I have the right people around me in my own individual life, and I'm, you know, living a productive life that really helps me to feel um, healthy and, and in a good place, and that, and the other person is doing the same thing, we can kind of come together in like, in this way that is like productive, and we can do things that are good in the world around us together and so i think that's like um on top of 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 um expecting this this person to be the answer to my life and coming to that realization that no no you know no person's going to fulfill that need for me um that's kind of the beginning of really um really finding answers to like deeper meanings to life right like why 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 is my here? why like who put me here right what am I doing here, right? What is this whole thing about? Because I'm done doing it my way, right? And I think that was the beginning of like inviting in um, to make sense of, of life, right? And to make sense of what's going on. And I mean, for me, that's where faith kind of started to come into my life. And faith really brought about, um, it brought about an understanding of, of Mark and how much value that I have and how much I'm loved and how much I'm cared for and how much, um, how much the creator of all things wants the best for me. And I picked that, I picked that thing up real quick because it, it, it sounded really good to me. It was sounding like the answer that I needed, you know, yeah. it was like, Oh my gosh, this is like, this is, this is a really good story. And, you know, in the, in the story, like I'm, I'm, I'm loved and I'm, and I'm valued. And this is in the, the eyes of um, the one who created all things. So, that was like a really foundational thing for me, right? To, to, yeah. to really get to that place where I was like, oh my gosh, I see my worth and my value and I'm starting to embrace that. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of sent me into this place where I started to, um, I started to step away from unhealthy ways of coping with life and starting to do it in healthier ways. And that was when I became like, started to get people around me that I could start to process things with. I could start to work things out, you know? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I, I wanted to follow up on a couple things there. So one is, you know, really doing the work, 
the way you're describing and taking ownership and pressing into your own kind of personal development and faith and that walk and journey. And then also it gets to a point where practically, you know, you might feel from a discernment or a higher perspective of like, okay, now it's time maybe to start to consider being in a relationship, start to pursue someone towards marriage. And one of the things I've heard you talk about is uh, painting red flags green. And so uh, maybe for some of the single listeners out there, you know, how should they think about, uh, you know, what are some red flags to really avoid, um, especially if you have maybe more of that codependency or that like your relationships looking backwards haven't been as fruitful? Like what are the biggest red flags to avoid? And also what are the biggest green flags to run towards? Yeah. Oh, wow. Should have wrote all these down. Maybe had some time before to put them together. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go. Spot, I'm just gonna man. go off the cuff. I'm gonna go off the cuff. Um, Let's go, dude. Former pro snowboarder and amateur <laughs> surfer, dude. Off the cuff. Let's go, man. Off the cuff. Yeah, it's the it's the best way to do it. Um, painting red flags green is such a good term, right? It's like you know, I had this way of navigating relationships that wasn't working. You know, I was always seeking to find intensity and in calling that love. You know. And from the very first relationships I was ever in, it was, it was this thing that burned up and then it burned out. And so what I found over time was love doesn't operate like that. Love doesn't operate out of intensity. And that was a long process to learn, right? And so I was just going by the movies that I was watching growing up, you know, all the things, um, the songs that I was listening to and growing up. And they were just this roller coaster ride that love was like this thing that um, basically um, caused a person to deny every other area of their life and just be consumed by this thing, right? And I think I just kind of went with it and I kind of did that for so many years. And so, you know, what I was looking for in relationships for, in my life was there were a few things that I was looking for. And these were probably not the best foundational ways to build a relationship. I was lonely. Um, you know, I, there was a, a sense of not being enough in me. So I felt like a relationship would make me enough. And, um, and there was a sense of power that I would get if I got the right girl with me. Right. Cause people see me a certain way. Oh, look at her. Right. Just like arm candy. Right. Like, Oh, look at this girl who's with me. This is, this, this makes, this makes me feel powerful. Right. And that was because I lacked power. Right. So I think those are foundationally, red flags when i'm looking for a girl in a place of needing her to be fulfilled that's a place where i i have to be careful with right and so i started to see tendencies in my relationships with those they were always selfish it was never about the other person it was about fulfilling my need for approval fulfilling my need to not be alone and then when that wasn't enough for me i would just kind of move on to the next one and so i was always seeking lower companionship I was always seeking easier, easier people to be around, like easier girls to be able to, to relate to. Um, Cause then there wasn't really commitment or work or anything I had to do around that. So I think over the years, I started to take an inventory, right? I started to take a look at the way I was navigating relationships. And I found that um, I had it backwards. I found that love was patient and I found that love protected. And I found that love, uh, was about um, was about being there for her and and you know seeing how she was doing and, and um, compromising and and um, coming together and setting aside the way I do things to better understand the way she does things and um, to come together in our differences rather than to fight against them 
and to really like cherish our similarities and run with those things together. And, uh, and, you know, over time, I found uh, that there's a right way to do relationship and um, there's a commitment to it and decisions that need to be made. And, you know, and I think a, a sense of growing up into this, the season that I'm in, right. This is also about maturity, right. Um, that I come to this, this season, right. There's, there's seasons in life and times in life in which I am supposed to step into things. And because I've always done them my own way, I've never really gotten with the organic process of being developed as a human being and, and thriving in the things that I'm supposed to be thriving in. And so I think once I started to surrender to that process more in growing up, I started to step into um, the feeling like I'm, I'm ready for something uh, healthier. I'm ready for something more like a little more structured and solid in my life. And um, so yeah, that was a long-winded way of maybe not even answering the question, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's all, again, coming back, the theme that you I'm seeing is like coming back to ownership for yourself and like what you, because, and that's when I look at you, and I see your story with your wife. It, it, I just see this pattern of you over and over again, continuing to invest in yourself, get healthy, feel the how loved and unique you are, emanate that, unconditionally love your partner, see her feel that, and then give it back to you. Yeah. It's like giving you shall receive. Exchange. Yeah. And just giving love, giving love, and then it comes back around and it's not even so much like analyzing, worrying, making lists, reading self-help books. It's just like being loved, being loved, loving. And yeah. it comes back around. It's like a practice, right? And it's a practice that we get to start to do, you know? And I think even conversations like this, you can feel the love, you can feel the connection, the understanding, the, the, the vibe, you know? You can feel that vibe like a good growing, you know, we're, we're gonna walk away from this better people, you know? And I think that's kind of how, how relationships done properly is, when there's that that space where you feel like you can you can walk away better people you can um, navigate your individual lives better people as when you come together, and um, but I you know you, I, you you said some things that are really good I you know it's just like such a uh, there was something I wanted to say maybe it'll come back to me but um, I was gonna just ask like. And it's funny because we talk about this too in the context of coaching as well, like whether it's mentorship service, supporting or coaching someone, you know, I definitely used to be the guy and also in relationships too, where if I see a problem, like, okay, I'm going to fix it. Yeah. A woman comes to me, Brandon, this is my day. And they just want to emote and vent. And I'm like, well, why didn't you do this? Or like, you could do that. And it's the same thing too with coaching my clients where a lot of times I just want to solve the problem. But yeah. I feel like one thing you're really good at is being encouraging and supportive and listening. And how did you develop that skill? <laughs> there are a lot of pain. <laughs> how do I explain that? Yeah, you know, um, well, I get I developed that by getting to know me better, honestly. And I started to see what what what, I, what do I need? What do I need to feel encouraged to grow? What do, what do I need to feel encouraged to listen? And I think foundation, I need to, I need to sense that this person understands and cares. And I, and as soon as, as soon as I get that sense that they care, they understand, and they know where I've been, they, they truly can relate to where I'm at as, as a person, I feel my ears start opening, right? I start seeing like, 
okay, I'm willing to listen. You have anything for me? You know, and so it's really like foundationally that beginning point that creates, because you, you, me, we all have such good wisdom, such good advice and suggestions to bring to people. But sometimes the best way to get it there is, is to create a position to receive it. And to create a position to receive something, there has to be a level of understanding and care uh, there to, to foundationally, yeah. you know? And it's like, there's people in my life who I go to from time to time for practical advice, but I've even noticed some people, they're just like trying to always give me advice and I've had to learn how to set boundaries and I've had to speak up and say, Hey man, like, I don't, um, I'm not looking for advice right now Yeah, on, on anything. Like, sure. I might, uh, hair could be on fire. I don't want a hose like, yeah. just like love on me right now. Yes. And I've had to learn how to, you know, in both situations, like both as the giver and the receiver, know my limits and like also empathetically know their limits of when giving advice or pointing out deficiencies or things that could be done differently or better can trigger shame in that person. Yeah, I know. Right. It's so true. And I think that that's like the the great people, like people are like, uh, it's like an art form art form to learn how to navigate people. And it really is like, for me, it definitely wasn't fun in my past. But for me now, it's one of the greatest challenges of my life, learning, learning how to navigate different personalities Yeah, and learning um, and seeing what type of emotions go on on the inside of me with regards to these personalities and really learning how to deal with how I'm experiencing people in order to be productive. And, and that's what relationship is basically about, is about productivity, right? It's about coming together and, and, and being productive in that, like a productive way of destructive doesn't work, right? We've seen that. I've seen that in my some relationships. So like when I'm experiencing destructive ways of doing relationship, those are the things I have to be willing to set aside, right? And when I'm starting to experience productive things in my relationship, those are the things I need to press into. And let me give you an example. My brother and I, I think he's been on this podcast. So yeah. we, were, we, were like, we were like brothers 18 months apart and we would like, uh, so much competition growing up and um, you know we were fighting all the time right and I think over the years I, we started to finally connect in things that were more productive and we and we started to identify ways of of um, connecting as brothers that weren't working right there were conversations that we were having there were there were ways that I was trying to maybe control him or or get him to see my perspective that weren't working and so so as I started to navigate more and more with him, I started to see conversations that we did have that were productive. I'm his older brother. He needs encouragement and love. And for me to say, I'm proud of him, despite anything that's going on in his life. That's what a younger brother needs. He needs encouragement from his older brother. And so when I started to do that more, instead of pointing out flaws, pointing out where he's falling short, he, those are the conversations that are life-giving. Those are the things that like we actually come together. And so it's in relationship. It's, uh, it's about identifying the things that aren't productive in the way of, um, uh, in the way of doing a relationship with a person and then identifying the ways of, of being the, the productive ways of doing relationship and, and focusing more on doing those well, you know? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that is most impressive to me about you is we go surfing in Del Mar and there's a guy who's not necessarily always in a good mood. And uh, you have been able to build this relationship with him. 
where he trusts you. And frankly, I'm scared to talk to the guy because <laughs> of the anger. And it's like, you know, what, what resources and what, what do you think has enabled you to be the person that kind of anyone feels safe around and can trust, but also really difficult, challenging people. You're able to also set boundaries and like all the, like love, strength, yeah. power. Yes. No. Like you've, what is, how did you do that? <laughs> you that question on this podcast. We're good. We can just end it right now. That's it. Like, I'm sure there's a whole book that can be written on that. And I think foundationally, though, from the very beginning, there were, I was a difficult person. So there was a time in my journey 10 years ago that I was probably very challenging to be around. I probably, um, actually, I was. I was really hard to be around. But there were people in my life that loved me and that loved me before I can love me and that were there for me before I, I felt like I could be there for myself. And so in the midst of me walking that, that part of my life out where I was um, probably a lot to deal with, um, I started to realize over time that, oh my gosh, there's been so many people that have helped me over the years that have really helped me to become the man I am today. And, you know, and so when I see a guy like that, all I see is, you know, a, a time in my life. All I see is a, a picture of, you know, certain seasons of my life. And I remember in those moments, you know, all those people that were there for me, you know, like as I was working stuff out, I was, as, as I was frustrated, as I was going through the emotional roller coaster ride of life. And there were just these people that were just there for me through the whole thing. And it, and it brought such a sense of like, um, that I'm worth it and that I, that I have value and that I deserve, you know, to, to grow. And I think I, because of that experience in my, you know, earlier years of the changes that were happening in my life, I think that's, that's why foundationally, I feel like everyone deserves that. I feel like everyone deserves the same chance that I got. Right. And, you know, and it's funny because it actually, it actually works when you're there for somebody like, you know, he doesn't want any advice from me. That guy doesn't want to hear anything, you know? But he sees that I care. And I think, you know, on those down days for him, that's when he kind of leans in and he starts to ask some questions. And, you know, when those moments come, like, I feel like I can share my experience. I feel like I can share some of the wisdom over the years that has been imparted to me. I feel like I can, you know, give that to somebody at that point. And so it's like, for me, it's just really um, realizing that one time there were people that did that for me. And, um, and I, and I get to, be that for for someone else you know yeah yeah like the empathy you might be able to have for them because that was once you yeah yeah it's powerful and I, I like that's one of the blessings i think about my own recovery in my past and what i've overcome is there's so many you know healthy normies whatever you want to call them but they can't help someone get from here to here because they haven't walked that out or experienced that yeah, so that's that middle road that, you know, seems pretty good for, for life, right? But, you know, I'm grateful that I had to go and, you know, hit, hit, a, hit a bottom in life because it really, it really helps um, me to experience life more fully, you know? And I think that's what I wanted when I, when I, even when I was growing up, like I knew there was more to life than what I was experiencing. And I was just trying to grab a hold of that everywhere. And I think that that whole experience of trying to grab a hold of things and getting to that point where like I needed to like, you know, give up and surrender things 
that was when I started to experience life in a different way and in a a way that meant something to me like it you know the life that I get to live now and the life you know we get to live um it has depth and it has weight you know and I and I fully feel life and I and and I'm present to what's going on you know and I you know, and I get to still experience uh, my humanity. I get to experience stinking thinking days, right? Where I'm like up on myself, right? And having a hard time. I get to walk through those days where like, I don't feel good enough, right? I get to navigate really uncomfortable, courageous acts of stepping out in faith. And these are all very important aspects of life that I don't just experience the greatest of things, but I get to experience the hard things too, and that was a gift I didn't have in my addiction because I was always numbing out. And so now I get an opportunity to, to actually experience humanity, experience my life um, and all that comes with it. And that is a gift. It doesn't sound like a gift. It doesn't sound like a gift when, you know, you lose your, when I lost my uncle or when, you know, my, you know, somebody went to, my brother went to prison, right? None of that stuff feels like a gift in the time, but, but man, there was a time in my life that I didn't even get to, to, to face those things. I didn't even get to take a look at those things. And that's the great thing why I feel like I'm experiencing life so much more because I have context now. I know what it's like not to have the bare basics of life. And then now that I've been given just to, to, to live life in a productive way, now those things are profound to me, right? And so I think that's kind of the cool thing too is um, perspective you know, context, like I have a ton of context behind, you know, you know, making the type of money that I make, you know, like working, like, you know, I'm, I'm in the office a couple of days a week, the other days of the week, I'm at home with my family, I'm at home, you know, Sebastian's playing in the yard, like closing the laptop, and I'm going surfing with you, like, I, you know, there's, there's certain things that are important to me. And those things are what I build a life around. Right. Yeah. So my, my, my work environment is not something that I wanted to consume my life. I wanted it to be a way that makes my life productive, the life that I want to live productive. Right. Family is important to me. People are important to me. Um, enjoying life, adventure, you know, like those things are important to me. And so, you know, it's like that's, that's over the years. That's how I've kind of looked at life. I'm like, okay, these are the things that are important to me, right? Connection, community, um, uh, faith. Um, adventure, expedition, right? Um, these are important to me. So how do I, how do I create every area of my life to come into alignment with my core values? You know, and that's when I start to to um, adjust. That's when I start to 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 make those adjustments to to create the life that I want to live. And that's I I am where I want to be now, right? Um, but that's not always where I was at. Um, but I think the very first thing to do is really get clear on a vision for, for who you want to be, the core values you have for yourself as a person, what's important to, to you as a person, really defining those things, and then taking every area of your life and adjusting those to, you know, your core values, like what your vision for your life. And, you know, the great thing about that is then, you know, I, the, the things that are most important to me are the things I get to partake uh, participate in every day and that's what creates harmony and wellness that's what creates freedom and the, not the need for addiction not the need to go back to something is living a life that's worth living living a life that i want to live and and this was a process this was not like a little 
little little vision card and then like the next week like boom moving in this stuff now this was years in the making this was lots of help this was a lot of people helping me along the way this was a lot of very vulnerable honest um conversations about um my need for help and like and you know help help people helping me to see things differently and courageous acts of of um stepping out and um you know, lots of sacrifice, lots of sacrifice. I think, man, I, you know, the, the, the work that I do now, like I literally worked at my friend's company for a year prior to, for free. My wife, amazing wife, getting the right people around you. She said, why don't you go work for, for Matt for free, right? I wanted to transition out of being in the field. Uh, and I wanted to transition into more of a role that's like a, a more freeing role where I can move a bit, a bit more freely in my life. And so I went and worked for this guy after I would go to my day job. I went and worked for him after work for free for a year. So I sacrificed up front to transition into something better. I didn't know if something was going to be provided. I didn't know if there was going to be a space for me in this, in this line of work. But I, but I trusted that I wanted something better. I trusted the, the, value, the vision I had for my future. I trusted, I, I knew where I wanted to be and I trusted um, willing to sacrifice to get there. Because of that, because of that upfront sacrifice that, that produced no monetary value at first, provided an opportunity for me to step into what now is something that I enjoy doing. It's something that I make really good money doing. So those are the things that like really, like I was trying to bring to light how to take vision, how to take a, you know, core values and then start adjusting my my every area of life to really align with those things you know and so that was like one practical way of, of sacrifice sacrifice is how i how i got there sacrificing um in the midst of not knowing and just trusting that i was going in the direction in which i i felt like my greatest life was to be lived you know yeah well i just want to say mark i am so grateful for you not only for coming on this show because we can get the word out about your story and who you are and awaken recovery to more people. But I mean, when it's all said and done, when I'm either walking down the aisle or I'm uh, walking my kids down the aisle or I'm sitting on a stump and I'm, you know, 150 years old because of modern medicine (laughs) with my great, great grandkids. And, you know, they're looking at me with a twinkle in their eye. I'll think back to the impact that you've had in my life, the ability uh, to know that you're loved and you're worthy and you're unique and you're special and to see that very clearly and then be able to give that gift to everyone else because we all deserve to see that truth too. To know that you've taught me that I am enough as I am. Everything is okay. I remember we went surfing one time and like you had just gotten some notice from your company that the job might not have worked out. And then I got a notice from one of my clients that it was going to be like a big refund problem situation. And we just said, well, you know, let's just go surf anyway. And then by the time we paddled back in, I think both problems were resolved. And it's like, no matter how much we want to control or worry or think that we have problems, like it's always all good in the end and having that trust and surrender. And so, I mean, those are just two of the many, many things you've taught me um, in the past year. So Thank you for the mentorship. Thank you for what you're doing in San Diego. Thank you for what you're thank you for what you're doing in your life. It's been such a blessing for me. I am so excited for everyone to hear this story. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, anytime, man. And uh, you just look forward to hearing you know your life continue to thrive. You know, you stepping into 
the the health and the and the things that that make Brandon's life move powerfully. And you've already been moving in that for quite a while. And you're super gifted in everything that you do. And you're just adding more to that, right? You're just adding more to that. And you're 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 leaving behind those things that that aren't working. And that's what we do, man. We do that for each other as we go, man. And yeah. you've been doing that for others too. And it's fun because you know there's nothing better than 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 growth. There's nothing better than connection. And uh, it's what makes life worth living. So this has been a pleasure. This has been an honor and a pleasure, dude. And I'd love to come on and chat anytime, my friend. Awesome. Well, Mark Gagarin, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's at Mark Gagarin on Instagram. Break this guy's inbox, break his funnel, hit him up. Hopefully that's okay with you, Mark, but thanks again for coming (laughs) on the show. Yeah, buddy. Have a great one. We'll talk soon. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.